Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Baby, right round like a record, baby, right round, round, round. Oh, the spin! Oh, unbelievable. And no, I'm not talking about President Joe Biden a night ago, although I'm willing to wager if I added some comments there, it may fire up a few. Instead, I'm talking about something that is far more important. That is the National Football League, where today, Roger Goodell, with the State of the League address, what a total embarrassment by the commissioner of the National Football League. Once again, looking at you, the consumer, the proud American who spends so much money for tickets, so much money for outstanding entertainment, yet he thinks you're stupid. He thinks more than that. He thinks you're a bot. All right? He thinks you're sheep. Uh, he thinks you're a zombie. Uh, for him to make the comments that he made today is absolutely appalling that in the success of this league that is so far ahead of everything else in the world of sports, we have the players coming in 30 days. We have pitchers and catchers reporting in a week. We have gentlemen start your engines in a week. We've got um, big conference basketball games tonight, including the Gators. They're going to try to win it. Number three, Alabama. I mean, it's coming up crunch time, second half of the season. Uh, in the NBA, where the King last night set the all-time record for the most points in the history of the NBA. Hockey is, uh, for those in that particular category, like the host, um, we're all fired up. Yet football dwarfs them all. This destroys them all. And you have a commissioner that'll look right into the camera and not tell the truth. Just flat out sell you on anything that is being asked to him. He's got the ability to spin, to divert the most obvious scenarios, almost to the point where, for some, I wonder... Does he have you second-guessing? Hmm, maybe the officiating isn't as bad as I always thought it was. Roger Goodell today grabbed the microphone and actually told us that the officiating in the National Football League is the best that it's ever been and that he's proud of what's happening. Here's what I know. I listen, and I listen all the time. I listen to players. I listen to coaches. I listen to other members of the media. I also listen to fans. Okay, nine to five working fans who love this game and each and every year without limitations, the number one problem 
that NFL fans have is what is going on with the officiating. And it is totally egregious at times, including what we just saw in an AFC championship game. As a matter of fact, Roger Goodell today, during his address, even mentioned that particular play on third down and had the wherewithal. Are you ready for this? Had the wherewithal to try to sell us that this is a common play in the NFL, that a redo, because the clock was running, is something that you see each and every week in professional football. I mean, no, we don't see stuff like that each and every week. Uh, It was just one thing after another, and, you know, I just, I feel so bad for Roger Goodell that he is put in this position and honestly has very little control about some of the most obvious questions that are headed his way. He sort of, in my opinion, he sounded totally unprepared, particularly with the diversity question that came. We'll get to that uh, a little bit later on. And you know that that is going to be something that's going to come up year in, year out, okay? Questions about diversity within the National Football League. Also, Roger Goodell, other things he said today, uh, trying to sell us on the fact that the only reason that concussions are now up 18% is because all of a sudden NFL doctors have better equipment. They're able to make a deeper analysis, a a, a deeper um, whatever it is, diagnosis on what is a concussion and what is not a concussion and that now with their advanced technology, uh, something that years ago, may not have been diagnosed as a concussion, is being diagnosed as one now? Are, are you kidding me? This is the type of stuff he's, he's selling us. And, you know, Roger Goodell, what does he do? Seriously. I mean, when I look at Roger Goodell, I, I mean, he slaps backs. He kisses babies. He'll shake an occasional hand. What does he do? He removed himself completely from the Deshaun Watson Scenario, including the uh, the rebuttal, the appeal uh, today, with the very interesting question by Jim Tra- uh, Jim Trotter from NFL Media about diversity. He said that he didn't oversee uh, that particular part of what is going on with the. Well, no kidding, he's the commissioner, but he's never responsible. He's never the guy. He's never the decision maker. He makes fifty seven million dollars a year. And I'm still trying to figure out what he does outside of spin things for the owners. The message was clear today, ladies and gentlemen. We all love football, but make no mistake about it. The most important thing is not you, the folks who pay the rate. It's not the players and the players' safety. It's about making money. It's just like any other major company. And Roger Goodell proved it today. Three more games in London, couple of games in Germany, flexing Thursday night games. How do you think that players and coaches are going to adapt to being told on like a Monday morning, instead of playing Sunday, you got a game on Thursday? Now, old school's left the building. Can you imagine what Tom Coughlin would have done? If you told him that, then he goes on to tell us, and apparently he's got the data, that there's no difference 
in Sunday to Thursday as far as injured players compared to Sunday to Sunday. Let me go over that one more time. He says there's no difference between playing a game on Thursday as far as guys who are questionable um, or, you know, they change that all around as well. Remember the league used to simplify it for us. It would be probable, questionable, or doubtful. Now it's limited practice, no practice, and you're either questionable or you're out, okay? If, if, if they put up, you know, if they put up like a minus sign on there, that, that basically means that you have been cleared and you will play. Well, again, today he tells us there's no difference with injured players who have the ability to play on a Thursday uh, compared to playing the next Sunday. Now, obviously no one was prepared for this. No one was prepared for that type of question. So I imagine there's people right now, hardworking reporters, they're going to go back and do a little bit of uh, investigative reporting on this to find out if it's true. And by all means, do so. Because Goodell today proved time and again that he does not tell you the truth. You know, I, I think he's in a position right now where he just believes this league is so powerful and I can say whatever I want to say and I'm talking to sheep. These people are going to buy it because they love the product so much. They're like, whatever. Okay, the officiating's going to stink. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. I don't care. Give me back my football. And for a lot of people here on, what, the eighth day of February, uh, this is tough on you. You know, you'd already rather have it be August, and and you'd give up the next six months. Let's play a clip today. Here's Roger Goodell. Asked flat out about the officiating this past season in the National Football League. Here is your commissioner. When you look at officiating, I don't think it's ever been better in the league. There are over 42,000 plays in a season. Multiple infractions could occur on any play. Take that out and extrapolate that. That's hundreds if not millions of, of, of potential fouls. And our officials do an extraordinary job of getting those. Are there mistakes in the context of that? Yes, they are not perfect and officiating never will. But we've also had obviously replay and other aspects that help us address those issues to make sure they're not uh, something that uh, we can't correct on the field. Right, but we don't know what you use and what you do not use and when you can use them and when you cannot use them. Aaron Rodgers this week, before he goes on that four-day hide uh, in a shack, told us that the officiating is one of the major problems that he witnessed this year in the NFL. Um, you go to that game, the, uh, the, the redo on third down, Joe Burrow getting hit with a what, a, a, a grounding, um, what, a 15-yard uh, personal foul for intentional grounding, which was a very debatable call. If you remember on television, I think it was Dean Blandino who said it, he totally disagreed with the call. And, and, and here's the point of it all, okay? As consumers, we're very forgivable, Right? I mean, JJ, you're, you happen to be of the human era supporter. In, yeah, I'm with in your world. On this. In your world, you, you'd have them make a call, and regardless of how wrong it is, you made the call, you stick with the call, 
Forget about the instant replay. That's me. I I I don't agree that officiating has been the best it's ever been, but I do agree with them that you know uh, there is human error. It's part of the game. Roger Goodell today, and I'm I'm surprised. He's a smart guy. He's a lawyer. I, I I'm just blown away that he doesn't have people that he can bounce stuff off where he can answer this question properly, okay? This is, by far, the biggest concern that NFL fans have. What is going on with officiating? It's far and away number one. And accountability, the the ability to look and say, you know what, this is a major concern. And we're doing everything that we can to make it better. And as a matter of fact, we need to do more to make it better. I, in my opinion, the downfall of Tom Coughlin, and at that point, the downfall of Dave Caldwell, even though I think Caldwell would probably over, overstayed his, uh, his time here. But when Coughlin, when they signed Nick Foles, and when Coughlin doubled down and looked into the cameras and, and told you as Jaguar fans that they did not make a mistake by re-signing Blake Bortles and, and giving him that massive amount of money, for me, that was it. Because you could say what you want about Tom Coughlin and his old-school, hard-ass type of persona, but at that particular time, all of a sudden, truth was in doubt for me. I, I could no longer take him to his word because he was so afraid to come on out and say, we blew it. I mean, we made a massive mistake here. And I remember the reaction as I do every night here. Okay, I think at that particular time I was on in the afternoon. But I listened to you people, and you were fed up. You couldn't believe that this man that, I don't know if you loved him. You certainly respected him. Tried to double down on a terrible signing. Um, admitting your failure, admitting that you're wrong, can be rewarding. First of all, it, it cleans out your conscience. And secondly, people appreciate it. People appreciate the fact that, that you know, you make mistakes, that you are human. It's not all about your title. It's not all about the money that you make. You are vulnerable, okay? Roger Goodell should have been vulnerable today. He doesn't have to turn around. And I don't care if you're digging a ditch or you had five minutes off out of a court case today and you caught it on the NFL network. You can't lie to NFL fans and then just sit there and expect to get patted on the back. Own it. The officiating is awful. I still don't know what a catch is. I have a better chance explaining to you what was in that balloon last week than how I could explain to you what is a catch and not a catch. In the end of a catch, we don't know. You could be sitting in a bar with, with six or seven friends, and half your friends will say it's a catch, and half of your friends will say, ah, uh, he was juggling it. It's a hard job. I'm not saying it's not a hard job. It's a brutally difficult job. But don't dumb down the listeners. 
Don't dumb down your fans and tell them that it's the best that it's ever been. I made this comment two weeks ago, actually about a week and a half ago. I'm going to stick with it, JJ. I really hope that this year's Super Bowl goes to a team that wins it on a bad call. I want to see a fan base, and I want to see a team get royally screwed. I don't care who it is. Now, are we thinking like last play of the game, like uh, a missed penalty or maybe a catch, not a catch? Something deep in the fourth quarter. A flag that shouldn't have been thrown? Like, how would you prefer All of the above. (laughs) Honestly. one play. All of the above. I don't care what. I don't care if it's a, a flag that's thrown or not thrown. Just something egregious. I... I want it where the people are livid after the game. That that truly, a you can go back to hockey and look at Buffalo and Dallas and the Stanley Cup, and some people will, will point crease. to that. Right. People go to 75 and Ed Armbrister and Carlton Fisk. People are like, 75? But what the hell are you talking about? People will go to the Don Denkinger call between St. Louis and Kansas City when Joaquin Andohar had his had his right foot on the first base bag, and Denkinger called him safe. There's been calls. Miami-Ohio State? Yes. Miami. That flag came in 10 seconds later. I want a fan base to get screwed. And because I think Philly is like the worst human beings (laughs) on this planet, I can't think of anything better than (laughs) Philadelphia thinking that they just won their second Super Bowl in five years. And all of a sudden, you turn around, and there's carpet. There's a flag on the carpet, and you find out that the call is being made where a call shouldn't have been made. And all of a sudden, Kansas City is lifting the Lombardi when they shouldn't. That's that's honestly what I want to see. It this might year. take that. It uh, might because we've seen it in like title games, like uh, the Rams Saints a couple years ago. Uh, the pass interference, not pass interference, whatever it was. I don't even remember at this point. You know, we see it a lot in those type of games, but never when, you know, 100 million people are watching or whatever it is. How much you want to wager that if someone said to Roger Goodell, Miles Jack wasn't down, he'd have no idea what we are talking about. And, uh, and that's an AFC championship. I'm 90% positive you're right about that. That's an AFC championship game that was played in January of 2018. That's my point. Mm-hmm. We've had awful calls and that's that. It's a deal with it, okay? The only way that this is going to happen, and I'm telling you, the amount of money, the billions and billions and billions of dollars that are wagered on the Super Bowl, that's where the heat is going to come. And that is what is going to force wholesale changes with officiating, okay? I, I, I don't want to... Uh, get into the world of uh, of age discrimination and things along those lines. But so much has to be done to change this for the better. And, and we're just not getting it right now. Today was a colossal failure. You just can't have a lot of old people working in some jobs. It's not like, listen, they don't, they, I'm sure they have an age restriction for like uh, pilots. You know, I, I'm sure you can't be like, 84 and flying everyone around like there's certain jobs you just can't do at a certain age it's not you're discriminating against them because you feel some type of way it's just your time's come you can't do the job anymore lebron sets the record last night i saw a whole bunch of okay old man that's it you've done enough go away now okay this is a young man's game 
Yeah, you, you grew up, you heard about Willie Mays patrolling the outfield as a member of the New York Mets, and it was sad for a lot of people. Players get old, all right? In our profession, uh, they get old, and you got to do something else. Uh, why is being a part-time official such a standard above everything else? And he wasn't asked it today, which is disappointing, but, you know, they still are totally not accountable. There's one pool reporter who's going to ask the official and only the head official a question after the game. And reporters know this. That a lot of reporters, are, are uh, th- their mind works like coaches. They think they're the best. They think they're going to ask the best questions. They think that they are going to be able to get the information to be able to deliver to the reader or the listener. Everyone's wired that way. And when you send one guy in there to do it, what if that guy is a little bit, oh, I don't know, soft, right? What if he's afraid to ask the difficult questions? What if he's afraid to ask the tough questions? Why why can't you make these officials available to the media just like the players and coaches are? They get fined if they don't speak. They've got these officials sneak out the back door, and they're affecting ball games. All right. Hopefully I don't have to complain about this anymore. I, 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 I hate to start with it. Well, you're going to want to the day after the Super Bowl, you mean. Yes. When, that uh, I'm going to want to do. By the way, I just saw this earlier today. 50 million Americans, they estimate, will be betting on the game. So like you said, when it hurts people in their pocket, that's when they start really caring. Yeah. $16 billion estimated to be gambled on the Super Bowl just in America this year. It's been a very emotional day around here. It really has. The Trevor Lawrence piece is, I mean, it is absolutely spectacular. It uh, it blew me away. I, I want to spend some time on that. And it's um, the leadership here. I, I mean, you talk about a favorite son. This was just so impressive. And then again, you think that he's a 23-year-old man. You know, I was hoping that I was going to start with that and stay on that and, and gush about that. I can't control news. When, when Roger Goodell drops a scud on us like this, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to change uh, mid-sentence. Uh, so congratulations, Roger. Uh, you do get the top billing, which is brought to you by Schmunez Vision. But we got other things to get into as well. Okay, including Mike Norvell, a contract extension. Hmm. Last year at this time, this man was on the hot seat. Last year at this man, the word out of Tallahassee was they didn't have enough money to fire him and pay his buyout. The guy turns things around. He goes 10 and 3. I believe Florida State's on the come. I totally enjoyed their season. I think it's going to be fantastic to watch what they do in 2023. But why a contract extension? Why $8 million on an average a year for a guy who's 18 and 16? I mean, feel free to earn it. He's done a wonderful job in the portal. He's done a wonderful job with Jordan Travis. He hasn't proven that he can recruit freshmen. Okay? I, there's no need for it. There's no need right now to redo Josh Allen, who's got a year remaining on that contract, right? There's just no need for it. 
at this particular time. There's no need to give this money right now to Mike Norvell. Is it going to send a message in recruiting? I don't know. So surprised by the timing. I hope it works. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not pounding this decision. I'm just surprised by the timing of it. It, it, it makes very little sense to me, uh, but nonetheless, uh, that's my opinion there. So we got a lot to do here over the next couple of hours. Thank you to Shmunez Vision each and every night. They do bring you the opening comments right here on the program. You know, it's really interesting. I, uh, I've been doing some uh, research here and just kind of figuring out what goes on and what does not go on. And, you know, where I come from, in Boston, there, there, was, there was this old adage that if something is wrong with your vehicle, you only would send a certain person in to get that estimate. You understand what I'm trying to say? I don't want to get into any of the particulars because I know we are way, way too sensitive right now uh, as a country. But only a certain individual would go in and look at that mechanic in the eye. Well, unfortunately, there's a lot of bad business going on in a lot of different operations. And some of those involve directly your eyes, okay? You may be told you need this. You may be told you need that. You may be told you need something that is outrageously expensive. Just because it costs the most doesn't mean it's the best product. What you need is a sit-down and a full-out maintenance when it comes to your eyes. Pick up the phone and call Shimunez. 299-2906. They're going to tell you exactly what's going on with your eyes, such as, oh, I have cataracts. I'm over 50. I need cataract surgery, right? Wrong. You may not need it at all. It's only one of the many things that they can provide. Laser eye surgery. Okay? So just remember that. The most expensive doesn't always mean that's the way to go. There are other ways to go about it when you go out and see a genuine company, a practice, a family-based operation that has been successful around here for a tremendous amount of time. Just go to schmunezvision.com or give them a call at 299-2906. Schmunez Vision. Care. You can see. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I get to know your name. Well, I All right, Roger Goodell has spoken. We're all worse off for it. A terrible day by him. He has all year to get prepared for it. I'll at least give him credit for the attempt, the effort on that spin. That was an A-plus effort. Uh, He was cocked and loaded uh, for that particular question. But there were others that, you know, still the answer is unacceptable. That's the bottom line. Uh, There were others that that came in that were equally as bad. Uh, Perhaps we'll get to some of that a little bit later on. In the program, I, I I do want to get off that because I hate being so negative. I do, honestly, I do. I mean, all day today I was driving around thinking this is great. You know, look look at what's happened here with uh, with Trevor Lawrence and and uh, you know what a story this is. Totally unexpected. 
absolutely out of nowhere. And, you know, all of a sudden on the same particular day, uh, something like this does happen. But anyway, let, let me give you the gist of, of what he did. It's called the Players' Tribune. And, you know, th- this is a media device that is, that is player only. And, you know, the players have the ability to uh, come out and, and basically state uh, whatever it is that, that they want to say. And in this case, when it came to Trevor Lawrence, I, you know, I just never thought that there would be a reason for him to pen a memo, and it became more than a memo. It became a very long letter to Jacksonville where he touched everything that you could possibly want as a fan. And, you know, the first and, – and, and, you know, here I just explained Goodell, who's got to be 50-something, maybe 60, and he's not telling you the truth. You got a 23-year-old quarterback here who is so humble, okay, so real that he took you through the entire season. And, and there were things that he said that I honestly did not know. I mean, I, I, I suspected, but no one ever said anything about it, and that's about being here. I, I'll get there in a moment. What, what he did is he came out and he said he didn't want to be here. He didn't want to be home. Okay, Um, he wanted to be getting prepared, uh, obviously, uh, for this football game. And he went on to talk about the memory of coming from behind down 27 nothing. He saluted the home fans for not leaving and just how incredible uh, that atmosphere was and and, and what those home fans mean. He talked about being four and eight. And after that Detroit game, going over to Christian uh, Kirk's house with Zay Jones and the three of them were kind of staring into space, wondering why they played so poorly, wondering what had gone wrong. Uh, he said that he was never a guy who had a chip on his shoulder. Okay, he said that as a 22-year-old. Never had a chip on his shoulder. Never played football to try to prove someone wrong. Well, by reading this, it appeared to me that from the age of 22 to 23, Trevor Lawrence changed. He realized that he's playing for so much more than just the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's playing for the city. He's playing for this fan base. And it's almost as if he created more of a chip on his shoulder. He, he learned how to uh, dislike he learned how to get angry. He learned how to become a great leader, okay? He acknowledged his interceptions. He acknowledged his mistakes and was well aware that people were referring to him as a bust, okay? So many of you, and, and, and again, that's the great thing about fandom. doesn't matter anymore. Every fan base does it. They fire coaches. They fire offensive and defensive coordinators. They fire quarterback. Everyone does it, college and pro. And he's aware of it. Do, do you have any idea what that really means? And, and for those of you who are younger, okay, for generations, for forever, you can go back to Ted Williams, okay? There, there has been this, and it's so wrong, but there's always been this feeling that, I ignore the media. 
Okay, I don't read the papers. I don't listen to talk radio. You, you, that has been around since the game has been around. And you know, I've I've always wondered about that. And you get look at guys like Steve Carlton and Ted Williams, probably the most infamous of all. And then you saw the Robin. And there's been so many different ones. But Trevor's Trevor's fully aware of what's going on in 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 this city. What is being said about him? in this city. And again, it's another example of he gets it because back to those who have played the role of ignoring the media, they think they're hurting the sports writer. They think they're hurting the talk show host. They aren't, man. We're still going to talk. I'm still going to talk. Whether someone talks to me or doesn't talk to me, I'm still going to talk about them. Sports writers are still going to write about them. And we're here for one reason, to deliver the message to the fans. This show is to give the message, in my opinion, to the fans. So whether you want to acknowledge it or say you don't pay attention, that's up to you. This man's 23, and he came right out and took us through uh, the quote-unquote Nick Foles trials and tribulation. It was was unbelievable what he said. He also came out today, and let me find the exact part of the story here. This is the one that got me um, more than any. And I, and, and I wasn't completely aware of it yet. Uh, boy, this is long. <laughs> I joked earlier and said Generation Z wouldn't read it. Every one of them's calling me a boomer. Uh, did you read it? Did you like it? Did you have to take a potty break uh, during? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just having some fun with you. Trust me, I am. All right, let, let, let me find it here. Um, ah, damn it, I, I can't even find it. Anyway, to, to, to paraphrase what he said was, it was so obvious to him after the coaching change last year that, that players didn't want to be here, okay? And very rarely in professional athletics will you ever publicly hear Someone state that for one reason and one reason only, because they're getting paid, because they're under contract, and they're always going to give you what you expect to hear. We, we like to refer to it as canned answers. Trevor Lawrence told us today that after the coaching change, man, there were people that were here that wanted out and wanted to be anywhere but Duval. And obviously, when Doug Peterson came aboard and the coaching staff came aboard, that was a very difficult process to navigate and change. And we kept hearing about it from everyone involved, right? But it was legitimately happening. And they survived the five-game losing streak in October. They survived that blasting uh, in Detroit. And they overcame it to the point where what? They had an unbelievable end of the season, came a couple of major mistakes away from going to an AFC championship game. And this was totally, absolutely, and honestly recognized today by Trevor Lawrence in his piece, his letter to Jacksonville with the Players' Tribune. I've seen retirement thank yous before. I've never read anything like this. As a matter of fact, and JJ, you jump in here. I I can't think of anything that is on the same platform. Not not only here in Jacksonville. I'm talking about just in general. Can you think of anything 
that is close to this? I can't like bring a, a particular thing up, but I know that the Players Tribune does a lot of this stuff. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't read the Neither Players Tribune I. all that much. I don't read it at all because it's usually gushy and they're they're promoting a product or. Well, there's just yeah, it's like uh, hey, uh, I want to tell you from my mouth. I don't want to whatever. But yeah, I don't read this, but I I'm sure every quarterback does some type of thing like that. Uh, I I honestly don't know. He wraps it up with uh it was always the Jags, Trevor. So, he now bass off into the uh sunlight and uh will enjoy some time off, but what an unbelievable address by him today and uh I mean to put that now there and realize that this franchise is getting ready for year three. He won't be 24 until October. And, you know, I'm a stickler with a lot of things. And something for me that has been so sorely lacking is leadership and stability. Okay? Huge. Absolutely huge. Jacksonville has had no stability. They have a different coach every year. They have a different offensive coordinator every year. You got squabbling. You've got talk of uh, backstabbing in the front office, former regime, whatever. Okay, they got stability now. Hopefully, Jim Bob Cooter stays. I know he's interviewed in both Carolina and Tampa Bay as an offensive coordinator. We saw earlier in the week that Doug Peterson said it was good buddy Frank Reich. Hell no, when he called on. Zach, uh, Zach Taylor, or Press Taylor, excuse me, said no. Stability. You know what stability is? Doug Peterson returns with Trevor Lawrence, Mike McCoy, Jim Bob Cooter, and Press Taylor. That's stability. That's adding to your offense. All the nuances, all the wrinkles, the tweaking, the understanding. Trevor Lawrence has gone three consecutive years with three different offenses. Nothing changes. For the most part, his skill guys are back with the addition of Calvin Ridley. I get it. They have to address tight end. They have to address a couple positions on the offensive line. But for the most part, the guys who are productive, the skill position players, are returning. On top of that, now you bring leadership. I ask you all the time. I've always done it, particularly in season when this franchise loses. Who are the leaders? Who was the last offensive leader, Ben, on this club? If people, oh, well, you know, Brandon Linder's a silent leader. Brandon Linder leads by example. Okay. They love Brandon Linder in the building. Uh, in my opinion, you know, from the outside looking in, that's all I could give you. Uh, Brandon Linder had some of those traits, but I don't think he had the guys to the point where they were ready to run through a brick wall with him. What about Gardner Minshew? Short-lived. Yeah, for but one I mean, month. That's the thing, though. Like that that whole leadership thing, it comes and goes. That like, if you're good, these guys are gonna listen to you. You know, if you're just rah rah guy, like who cares? Like the in the NFL leadership to me, it's you got to back it up. Sergio Brown's the greatest example of that. <laughs> exactly. Everyone loves Sergio Brown. He'd do the best Ric Flairs, and he'd have everyone in the locker room, you know, cutting up, miss tackles. Yeah, but when you lose game after game after game, that goes away. Leaders are great players. And Trevor Lawrence took this upon himself 
to do this today. And look at all the fans. If you were a casual fan, and, and, and you know, what I love, and I, this is my favorite part of what I do, is you, the fans. I've always said that. It's, honestly, for me, it's not Trevor Lawrence, and it's not Doug Peterson. It's, 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 it's you, the uh, insurance salesman. You know, it's, it, it's you in a cubicle all day, surrounded by that annoying guy that just will not stop talking. These are the people that I love. And, and, and you thought he was a bust. You may still have some reservations. Can he really be a top five guy? Can this guy really become a pro bowler? Can this guy become a Super Bowl winning quarterback? Well, he picked up a ton of fans today by being honest. And now it's crystal clear at the age of 23, he is the leader of this football team. If he wasn't already, he clearly is the leader of this team now. So what an unbelievable um, letter that he wrote earlier today. I, 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 I typically don't like, uh, you know, gushy stories, but this isn't. And this is truth. This is fantastic. You need to read it, each and every one of you out there. You do. You need to give yourself a couple of minutes if you haven't had an opportunity yet and check out this story. It's in the Players' Tribune, a letter to Jacksonville, brought to you by quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, let's head to Philadelphia. Let's get ready for the Super Bowl. Talk about the game and some props. We bring in the one, the only. He is the Philly Godfather. Welcome. What's up, Rick, man? I can't believe it's the end of the season already. NFL is about to finish up. Uh, it went by just way too fast. Yeah. It, it has, and, um, you know, blink twice, though, it'll be back. Everything goes through so so fast nowadays. Uh, before we get to the game and the props, did, did you hear the commissioner this afternoon? No, I didn't hear what he said. Well, just, well, he said the officiating is the best that's ever oh, been. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all you got to do is look at that Bengals game. Yeah, yeah. And not only the call that they made, but the call that they missed on that last kick return, the block in the back. Uh you know, hitting Mahomes, uh, hitting, hitting the kid out of bounds was justified, but everything else that led up to that, it was just, it was rough. I, I mean, he's, you know, he's got to say what he's got to say. You know, I've asked you this before, but, uh, I, and I don't even know where to begin, but with legalized gambling now all across the country, could government officials, could people get involved when a call is so blatantly wrong that it affects the outcome of a game and, and billions of dollars could be at hand. No, I don't think so. I think all that's in the NFL contracts where uh, they could basically do whatever they want, say whatever they want. It's their league. Uh, but things could change, but as of right now, I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah, okay. Let's get to the game. Um, you know, we've had a week and a half now to uh, to speculate. I certainly have, have read your comments on Twitter, so... I know, I know where you're going, but uh, tell our listeners it's Philadelphia and Kansas City on Sunday. Who do you like and why? Well, again, we're sitting in a good position. We had futures on the Eagles at the beginning of the year to win the NFC, to win the NFC Conference, and at thirty to one to win the Super Bowl. 
but we're still going to bet the game. Uh, this is really a very difficult game to handicap. Last week against San Francisco, my biggest game of the year, it was it was so easy to take the Eagles there against that bad offensive line. But this week, you got the two most important people on the field come Super Bowl Sunday, Andy Reid and a kid that walks on water sometimes, Patrick Mahomes, and he's on the Chiefs. And then when you look at the trenches where the game's usually won, this Eagles defensive line is arguably one of the best pass rushing teams in history. I mean, you look at their sack percentage, yep. it's the best in the last 20 years. It's, it's incredible what they're doing. And then you look at the offensive line, one of the best offensive lines I've ever seen. And Aaron Rodgers comes out and says it's the best offensive line he's seen in the last 20 years. So that's why this game opened up. Kansas City minus one and a half. It's flipped over to Eagles as high as minus two and a half. Now it's back down to one and a half, two. And it's really tough to, you know, get a gauge here on uh, which team to bet on because, uh, you know, I've thrown this stat out before, but 87% of the time in the Super Bowl, the team that wins the game covers the spread. So if you're looking to take the dog, you take them on the money line. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to take the favorite, you just bet them, you know, on the spread because right. they're going to cover the game. Uh, this is really tough to handicap this game. I bet the over 24 in the first half. I'm expecting these teams to score some points in the first half. Uh, the Eagles averaged 21 points uh, in the first half all season. And the way uh, the Chiefs are probably going to play this, because you never want to go down in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think Andy Reid def- uh, doesn't defer the kick. I think they take the ball first if they win the coin toss. And with two weeks to prepare, he scores like on 80% of the, the first drives. You know, So Andy Reid's been amazing with two weeks to prepare. So I'm expecting some scoring in the first half. I got some money on the Eagles on the money line. Uh, I laid uh, 25 cents on the Eagles. But if the game gets to three, I mean, how can you not come back and try and take some three on Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid? I mean, they've been there before. They've got the experience. And that kid's amazing. I mean, they're such a good team. So you got 30-1 to to win it, and that was preseason. Now you got Philly money line, but you'd like to meet them halfway with KC plus three. Yeah, if he gets there, I'll probably – because it's a great number. I mean, if if any any – Vegas spread is going to fall on the number during the Super Bowl, which most of them don't. It's probably going to be this one. Identical records. I mean, identical pro bowlers. Identical points scored this year. These teams are like mirror images of each other. Uh, Offensively, number one, number two in points per play, yards per play. Defensively, the Eagles obviously are better. uh, Sack percentage and opponent yards per pass attempt, they rank number one. Uh, Chiefs have struggled this year against teams with, you know, good pass defenses. Uh, so that's why I'm leading the Eagles here on the mic. Yeah, very interesting. I, I, I do see that this Super Bowl uh, pits the number one and number two teams in the NFL uh, with sacks on the season. And, you know, Jacksonville, even when Mahomes went down, they created pressure. Um, actually, most of their pressure was when he was healthy. They, they created very little, little pressure after his injury, and, and they couldn't get to him, no sacks. Uh, the other side, you know, Jacksonville made two really bad mistakes, but they allowed Kansas City to go three for three with red zone scoring, and, and, and boy, that's a number that I keep looking at. Kansas City, 70% this year in the regular season. When they're inside the 20, they don't kick field goals. They score touchdowns. Yeah, and the Eagles are going to have to find a way to stop that. And the Eagles ain't bad in the red zone either, mm-hmm. either. But on the other side of the ball, Kansas City ranks 30th in opponent red zone defense. Right. Yeah. So that's a big problem. The Eagles are ranked like top 10, I think, in that, in yeah. that department. Philly. So yeah. it's it's going to be a wild game. It's hard to, you know, the matchups are crazy. Eagles running the ball. They average, what, 147 yards rushing this year. If the Chiefs can't stop them from running the game, from running the ball, I mean, they're going to keep Mahomes off the field. That's another thing they got to worry about. I mean, this Eagles running game. 
it's one of the best in football. No doubt about it. All right, uh, Philly Godfather, give us your information out there so our, our listeners can follow everything that you're doing here before Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Philly Godfather. You can stop by the phillygodfather.com. Right, what do you make of these props? I mean, when they all come out, I almost feel like it's a they're there to kind of confuse uh, the gambler that there's so many and, you know, your eyes keep moving in different directions. Uh, are, are there certain props that you just say, no way, I'm not even going to look at them? Uh, the ones that offer massive odds, you got a better shot of playing the lottery. Okay. Uh, I like the ones minus 110, minus 120, plus 120. Every once in a while, I might look to, you know, jump out there a little bit, but I'll bet it's a lot smaller. Uh, one bet that I bet that I'm getting 10-1 odds on is Josh Sweat. To make the first sack of the game, mm, okay. I think they're going to, you know, concentrate on Reddick, and he's on the outside, and the, and the strength of that Chiefs uh, offensive line is the interior. So, and he's got the speed to, to to catch Mahomes. So I like that. I nibbled on that a little bit. I took the Kansas City Chiefs plus a half a point in the first quarter. I mean, if it's a tie, you win. If the Chiefs are up after a quarter, you win. And if the Eagles are, you know, obviously winning, you lose. But the way Andy Reid has come out, you know, all two weeks to prepare, you expect the Chiefs to score some points. So I like that one. Uh, I bet Hurts anytime TD has been making money for me all year with this prop. I'm betting it almost every game. I'm expecting Kelsey to get a lot of passes because of that Eagles pass rush. They're going to be in there quick. So I bet over six and a half receptions for Kelsey. And on the other side of the ball, I mean, Chiefs pass rush, you know, they're pretty good as well. So I bet Dallas, Dallas Goddard over four and a half receptions. Uh, what else did I bet? I bet uh, the Chiefs field goal kicker to have over one and a half field goals. Uh, I think the Eagles can make some more stops on the defensive side than Kansas City's defense can. Chris Jones, under three and a half tackles and assists. Uh, I bet that as well. Do you do any of the, you know, comparison, uh, final round of the, uh, you know, final round of the Phoenix Open, uh, this particular golfer, is they have him as a 70, and then you can go to a, I don't know, a, a Devontae Smith, will he have more than 70 yards receiving? Do you ever do those kind of compare and contrast ones? Nah, that's not my style. I mean, I know there's guys that, you know, dabble in it, but I, I try to break down the game as best possible. Yeah. And do a ton of research, and that that's just extra work. you got to go to a different sport. you got to run different numbers. It's There's so much going on during Super Bowl. I mean, if you spread yourself too thin, you might end up losing money. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, it's been a pleasure. I know we'll talk again around March Madness, but uh, Philly Godfather, thank you so much for uh, a wonderful season here throughout college and the NFL. I really do appreciate it having me on good luck to everyone and i uh, hope you guys make a ton of money there he goes thank you very much as always it's a pleasure to have on the philly godfather who um he had preseason philly to win the east philly to win the nfc and philly to win the super bowl he had philly to win the super bowl at 31 odds okay so he's he's sitting on that but that's not enough he's going to play first half over 24 He's going to play Philly money line, okay? And then he's going to try to meet it halfway to get Kansas City to cover the three. And Kansas City plus a half in the first quarter. Kansas City plus a half in the first quarter. He thinks Josh Schwett of Philadelphia gets the first sack. He's got 10 to 1 odds there. He's got a Jalen Hurts TD. I love those odds. I, I can't imagine they're all that good. Well, then, yeah, it has to be rushing. Rushing TD, right? Correct. Or catching, which he's not going to. Love the Kelsey over six and a half. You have to. I mean, the guy, he's been an absolute beast. Uh, and what? Go to four and a half. Uh, that is what he gave us. So, 
Uh, we'll do this the next two days. We'll do it with Rafael Esparza tomorrow night. He'll join us live from Las Vegas. Then we'll check in with the Philly Rooster. On Friday, he will check in from Las Vegas as well. So uh, what, are your, what are your feelings, if at all, on props at the Super Bowl? I, I only do prop bets during the Super Bowl, and I'll only do fun ones just like for a few bucks from, with my friends. Like last year, uh, me and my girlfriend put like 20 bucks on Snoop Dogg to be shown at halftime smoking weed. And we got screwed out of that because they didn't show him on TV smoking weed, but the next day there was, like, photographs of him sitting down getting high. Oh, it was and on the I Twitter machine. Money. Yeah, it was on the Twitter machine. Yeah, I know exactly. that. So, like, that kind of stuff is fun. But, like, real gambling-wise, I'm sticking with the game. I, I always try to put, like, a hundo on the game just for fun every year, and uh, I like the Chiefs. There's always – and I know there are <clears> – <throat> Imagine my embarrassment, and I apologize. I almost went out and said Super Bowl party. Okay, I don't big want big game party. I don't need Roger Goodell calling our bosses here. It's clearly the big game uh, party, big game festivities. For those of you who don't know, the NFL that we love uh, have threatened to to sue churches. Okay, as uh, as early as two thousand and eight. Uh, when their congregation was going to put together food and beverage in a game in a very small purse, I think it cost like five bucks I was to get about in. To say probably two dollars to get in. But the NFL needed the NFL. I mean, that's a money stream for them. They they needed they needed that uh, that revenue. I I always love at the big game parties and stuff with the uh, the guy or gal rest it all on the coin toss. Which to, uh, which to me is the most absurd thing in the world. You know, it's, why not just, I, I guess it's the same thing as taking your money and dropping it on roulette, red or black, you know, where's it going to land? Yeah, 50-50. Yeah. Uh, here's a stat for you on the coin toss. The last six teams in the Super Bowl to win the coin toss have lost the game. Mm. Very intriguing. <laughs> yeah. Very, very interesting. All right, let's grab some of your thoughts on that. Best way to get a hold of us is on the text line, 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Folks, there's a lot for you to choose from uh, so far uh, tonight, whether it's Super Bowl uh, in props, um, whether it's my opinion after listening to the commissioner, Roger Goodell, today, that I flat out want to see one team get totally, royally, screwed and have the other team win the Super Bowl j- just to stick it uh, to the NFL to, to, to fix how god-awful uh, the officiating is. If you want to comment on that. And also, Trevor Lawrence, man. I mean, <laughs> just absolutely. It, it, was, uh, it was James Patterson-esque uh, w- what he did today. As far as I am concerned. So let me know what you think. 641-1010 on the text line that is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Michael Irvin got pinched and he's been sent home. Apparently had an altercation with a woman in... I believe it was a hotel lobby. Uh, I remember when we were out there a few years ago, Warren Sapp got pinched. He got sent home for good. Two legends from Miami. Uh, his mm-hmm. was a little different. His was a, 
apparently he thought he was being overcharged by an escort. Mm-hmm. And I think he got a little too abusive. Cost him his gig. He'll be all right. So will Michael Irvin. He's breaking news now. When he, didn't he break a story like two weeks ago that the Bears were going to trade Justin Fields? Yes. He it's says like I hadn't that's heard what of, he's hearing. I hadn't heard anything out of Warren Sapp in, like since Four then. Years. Like since that story. And now he's back doing his best Schefter impression. Uh, Michael Irvin now. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening. You ever heard Michael Irvin before explain the difference between a, a joint and a roach? You ever hear that video of him? I gotta when he, get this. Yeah, that, this was, I mean, this is going back w- way, way, way back. But uh, that came in today. Uh, before I get to some of these on the text line of the reaction, uh, which is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure, 641-1010, you and I had a long conversation yesterday about Aaron Rodgers and his, uh, his four-day darkness retreat. Deprivation. That he's going on. And from what I understand, it's just going to be him alone, pitch dark. There's a little tiny um, window opening where, where food and drinks can be dropped off, but, but that's it. However, uh, what website is it? It is uh, sportsbetting.ag has offered these odds, okay? Um, what substances will Aaron Rodgers consume during darkness retreat? Number one, mushrooms, three to one odds. DMT, three to one odds. Uh, is it is it ketamine? Ketamine? Ketamine. Ketamine, special five to K, one. Special K, yes. Okay, special K. Nitrous oxide, five <laughs> oh, to one. That's a whole different. Okay. Nitrous <laughs> oxide. Uh, tobacco or nicotine, six to one. He's not that kind of guy. Marijuana, six to one. LSD, eight to one. Ecstasy, nine to one. Alcohol, all the way down to 12 to one. Yeah, that's not what you want to do when you're in a, a dark room by yourself for four days. You probably don't want to drink. You also don't want to take ecstasy. Mm-hmm. That's probably the last kind of high you want in that situation. You're going to be wanting to dance. Get up, lights, TV, definitely music. Right. But I can definitely see LSD. I could see mushrooms. I could see dimethyltryptophan or whatever it is, DMT. Uh, tryptophan, isn't that the stuff in Turkey, actually? Um, what else is on there? Weed, well, he's probably a weed smoker. Well, and weed can mellow you out. Certainly you'll sleep, but you, you're going to get hungry. Right, you're gonna get the munchies. Well, I mean, there is food. They, there's, yeah. they just drop a, you know, like you're in a prisoner through a latch in the door. But he doesn't have a phone. He can't <laughs> dial. He can't order a pizza at two a.m. That's true. You got to be responsible. Yeah, but you know, no matter where he's going, they, that in Duval, the only two places in America <laughs> where you, you can't get a pizza at two a.m. <laughs> um, he did say that I can leave whenever I want. Yeah. You know, like, yes, it is scheduled for four days, but if I'm done, I'm done. Uh, heroin, 25 to 1. Oh, cocaine, whoa. 33 to 1. Uh, <laughs> That's not what, that is not a cocaine high. Methamphetamine is 50 to 1. And steroids, 100 to what? 1. What? Yeah. Okay. I, I would bet against him doing steroids. 
3866 Blue, if I'm in war in a foxhole, there are five people I want with me. My dad, Christian Kirk, Aloacon, Fortner, <laughs> and the General Trevor Lawrence. Let's Ooh. go. Give me your – actually, I'll ask your opinion. You, you said you've you've read more of uh, of that stuff. Well, yeah, I was just going through uh... – they have a lot of interesting people in the Players' Tribune, um, including, uh, what's his name from, uh, here we go. Uh, so they have a whole thing written up by Jamarcus Russell. Hmm. They got one from. Um, does he talk about blowing $25,000 at a sure TGI Fridays? This is the truth that y'all don't know a damn thing about Jamarcus Russell, he says. Uh, John Wall, there's one written by him. Jeter, of course. John Wall get hurt. He's back, but he sat out for like a year. Then John Wall's career is weird. Like he went to Houston, and then they decided we're better off not playing this guy at all. Like he, he just was so sat good on the in bench. College. So good. He was so good the first few years of his career. Yeah, injuries, and he's just not a good teammate. And nowadays, if you can't shoot in the NBA, you're pretty worthless. A lot of our listeners are telling us that Rogers is a big fan of psychedelics. Okay. And I'm not going to question our listeners. So, guy asks us if he's going to be licking, licking toads. Licking toads and eating mushrooms. Yeah. Definitely eating mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Licking toads is very... I always heard about that when I was a kid. I never knew if it worked. Never tried it, I guess. As much as I love them, can you imagine the individual who first cracked open a raw oyster and thought it was a good idea. Oh, to eat I've heard you say that before. Okay. That kind of blew my mind. That's Never the one that, that I can't get up. Mushrooms are not too far behind because well, they're growing. You could just kind of grab a mushroom and eat it. Oyster, you got to. So many of them can make you sick or kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they've been doing it forever. I mean, hell, Grace, Grace Slick wrote about it in the early 70s. Um, um, but, I mean, who was the man that or the woman who had it in them to find an oyster Crack it and eat it. Definitely a caveman. I feel like that's definitely caveman-type activity. I wonder if there's seafood that people have tried and they failed miserably. Like, are we still discovering like, like, like food? Lobs- like lobster or like raw, you know, if you're going to eat a raw clam, why won't you eat a raw lobster or crab legs or, or things along? No, I mean, there was definitely some trial and error. Raw shrimp, you know, there's certain foods that people eat, there's certain foods that out of the sea that people do not eat. Are, that's my question. Are we still discovering foods? Has everything been discovered that's edible? Hmm. Think about that when you're four-day retreat. Some of those people, like, you ever watch Swamp People? They, like, collect... They collect <laughs> A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> they collect, like, roadkill. <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff they put in, like, a soup. It doesn't matter what it is. They're just going to throw it in there and churn it. Our listeners letting us know, acting like I don't know that it grows on cow manure, uh-huh. as if I haven't been shrooming before. I'm from Ocala, sir. Yeah, that's the shroom capital of the <laughs> Absolutely. world. Absolutely. No question about it. Nothing better than a nice Friday night, 2 a.m. with your boys in a cow field, picking up turds. Mm. <laughs> Uh, 2859, Blue, I love your idea uh, with the Super Bowl. I would love for it to happen. Refs affect the game with bad calls and calls that aren't made. I, if this could, if, 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 my, if my opinion on this could really get delivered to the masses, 
I wonder how many people would would sign up for it under the consideration that one out of every two people we look at are probably betting on the Super Bowl. All right, so that's going to affect... 50 million people. Yeah, that's going to affect... I mean, if if there was no betting, I think the percentage would be a little bit higher. But again, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm making this point with an emphasis somewhat towards betting. You understand what I'm trying to Absolutely. say? Absolutely. So it's like you can't have it both ways. So I, I don't think the percentage would be that high because folks are wagering on games. But, I mean, for me, this, this Super Bowl, it's just going to be a fun watch. I, 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 I hope. I do not care. You know, this is one of those games where it, it doesn't matter to me Either way, who wins it? I, as a Brady guy, though, you don't look at Mahomes as, I mean, it's so far away, but you don't look at Mahomes as a guy who might one day be able to overtake Brady's legacy, and so you root against him in Super Bowls? You know what? Honestly, I'm the type of guy that I think I'd end up pulling for him. I, saw my, I found myself last night pulling for the king. A lot of people said that. Okay. A lot of I, haters said you that. You know, I, re- records for me are are there to be broken. I mean, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback we've ever seen. Patrick Mahomes is 27, heading towards 28. If Patrick Mahomes starts to make one of these phenomenal runs, yeah, I, I, think, I think I would end up rooting for him. Yeah, I... I, I want to see it. I, I just love greatness like that. Yeah. So I, I always end up finding myself cheering for Mahomes in these types of maybe, situations. Maybe it gets him out of there early. Maybe if he wins one tomorrow or, you know, Sunday and wins one in a year or two, maybe that's three. He's got that. He's like, I want to play baseball. He's got that wife at home that I'm sure he wants to spend <laughs> all his time with. He's got a lot to talk She's about. She's so nice. Um, But, you know, that would, uh, for this team in this city, you know, it's about getting to that level, and it's about navigating your way through the AFC. It's a minefield. It is, to I, say the least. You know, so I, we're not going to have a chance to get to it tonight, but I was looking at 11 quarterbacks on 11 different teams, and I maybe we'll do this next week at some point. We'll kind of have a – we'll prognosticate, you know, where these 11 quarterbacks are going to end up this year, you know, for which particular team they're going to end up. It starts with Aaron Rodgers, and then you go all the way through. It's it's really fascinating. I think it's going to be one of the most incredible seasons we've seen in quite some time with the massive turnover at the quarterback position. All right, I uh, all this talk about drug use has me a little bit out of sorts. Do we need Feeling to take – Are we behind, behind on a break? Behind, yes, We're behind we on a break. <laughs> There's a surprise. So let's take one much more from you on the other side. People ask for psychedelics. We're going to deliver here some old Arnold Lane with the late Sid Barrett, who just went completely crazy. And, of course, was replaced by by David Gilmore. Uh, 1138 says, here we go. This is the best one yet. Uh, Baloo, the refs will not affect a Super Bowl until the Jaguars are in it. Book it. 
tough to argue that particular point. 1675, Blue, how can Mahomes possibly challenge Brady's Super Bowl record when Trevor Lawrence will have at least six wins over the next 10 years or so? And four losses in the Super Bowl. <laughs> 10 straight Super Bowl appearances. Well, he says six wins in the next 10 years. Yeah. Okay. Not too crazy. That's another thing about this whole thing, because Brady went, what, seven and three. He lost to Philly, and he lost to New Giants York twice. twice. yeah. There are people out there. Vito Stellino used to write for the Florida Times Union. He used to cover the Jags. I remember him writing this, that he thought, instead of Belichick and Brady, he thought Chuck Nolan Terry Bradshaw going four for four is more impressive. So, according to Vito, you can lose in the regular season or get knocked out of the divisional round or get knocked out of a championship round, not make it to the Super Bowl, that's more impressive than going seven, uh, going 10 times and winning seven? That's sort of not the same numbers-wise, but it's sort of the LeBron-MJ argument. Absolutely it is. Like LeBron went to the finals, what, 10 or 11 times or something. MJ was six for six, though. So people look at it, that's better. So it's like, so should LeBron have crashed out in the conference finals no. then? I remember when Jordan in the old garden had like, 66 or 63 or whatever it was uh, against Boston, and Boston still beat him in that series. And that was like his first playoff mm-hmm. series, I believe. It was very early. Game one went to overtime, and he lost. But, yeah, he had like 60-some points. Uh, so just asked for Sid Barrett. We gave it to him. There you go. I asked a moment ago. I didn't realize that was the Pink Floyd's first single. Yeah, that was really early in their mm-hmm. career. Pink Floyd was weird, too, because they were all from the Silver Spoon. You know, I remember when I first heard about Pink Floyd, some guys were like, yeah, they're, they're, vo- they're war-, war veterans who write about the war and they're massive drug users. It, they war- they all, I mean, Sid Barrett was, but they all experimented to some, ex- to some extent, but it was more, they weren't like the Grateful Dead. Yeah, Roger they- Waters said the music was like, it's trippy music, but they weren't on LSD making right. the music. Now, obviously, their their listeners were, yes. and those who attended their concerts were. But and it was a little bit of a um, little bit of a difference there, as far as I'm concerned. All right, uh, we got more thoughts coming up from you. Um, let me go over this because it's very newsworthy, and I I. I, I spent about 30 seconds on it at the beginning of the program. But Mike Norvell is in now through 2029. And he, he, here's, here's where I am with it, okay? I think he's the guy. I do. He did a great job this past year. To, to make them 10-3 and three and finish number 10 in America is – is really promising. It is. But it happened so fast. A year ago at this time, we were having conversations about the fact that Mike Norvell cannot recruit. Mike Norvell is on the hot seat. Florida State is probably faced to have him for at least two more years because they can't afford to pay the buyout. That was the conversation. All right? If, if there's one thing that I am consistent with, it's my memory of what's been said, okay? And this was the case all the way through, you know, the beginning of the season when Florida State started 4-0. and zero. 
Uh, I love what he did. I love the progress. However, he's 18 and 16. He's two games above 500. And you just gave this man an average of eight. I'm told it tops off at 11. I still haven't seen what the buyout is. He was already under contract for a few more years. Now you extend him through 2029. There's still some things that I want to see. I think Mike Norvell needs to become a better in-game coach. There's been a lot of things in his short career that I have second-guessed as far as his play calling, particularly his play calling around goal line, okay, short yardage plays, um, too much razzle-dazzle, if you will, going for it on fourth down. Uh, I I think that, um, to me, that's a major issue. I'm still nervous about him with incoming freshmen. That that is not hit the plateau that it needs. Now, there's not a school in America outside of maybe USC who has taken advantage of the transfer portal the way that Mike Norvell has. And I'm well aware of the incoming class. It looks like he's going to plug in some offensive linemen. He's going to plug in a cover corner. Uh, he's going to plug in a couple of tight ends. I mean, he's done a really good job, okay? A, you know, a couple defensive tackles. So I, I, I love what he's doing with the transfer portal, but I don't think you can live on the transfer portal year after year after year. You hopefully get away with it this year. You hopefully can get away with it next year. But he needs to start getting the recruits that Bowden got and what Fisher got. He needs five stars. He needs four stars. I know he brought in a five-star wide receiver. I'm aware of what he's brought in, but it's not enough. Okay, Florida State should be a top-five recruiting class. So those are my only reservations. It's it's a little bit for me like what what forced this so early, and 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 this is my alma mater. And again, a year ago they were crying poor, and it was basically in a lot of people's minds. You're still paying off Willie. Now you got Norvell. We got to find out if if he's gonna make, um, you know, if he's gonna make it, and he's gonna be around for quite some time. So today's extension absolutely surprised me. I have the buyout numbers, by the way. What do you have? So if he is fired in year one, it's five mil, two, four, four, six for year four, and then it kind of goes down, four, three, two, one, and then zero. So it's not too much. It looks like the most you would have to pay is $6 million. Who said that? This is 247, Knowles 247, 98 minutes ago. Says the value of the annual, uh, or here it is. Below is the liquidated damages amount owed by the employee as consequently of early termination of the employment agreement. But it would be, if you fired him this year, it would be the six, the five, the four. It, it would be all of all those of combined. added up. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that would be around uh, 25-ish. Yeah. Before I got on air... Uh, tonight, I I had not seen those figures, but you know I, I I'll I'll take your word for it. They're they're obviously very reputable over there. So you know Chris hopefully Nee-y. that doesn't. Yeah, Chris Nee, yeah, absolutely. I I've had Chris on several times. As a matter of fact, Chris, um, what I like about him is he he 
does a lot of basketball, even you know. It's a rough you want to know an honest story? Because you know I'm honest to a fault. I I did something today. I actually did it on Monday. That I don't think I've ever done before. Okay, I there are certain radio stations across the country that I go on as a guest for routinely, and you know I go on to talk about the Jaguars. I go on to talk a ton about Florida State football. Well, there's a few places around the country that have me on for Florida State basketball. And in Syracuse, I got the obligatory text on Monday. Can you come on and talk Florida State hoops with us? I'm like, bro, no, I ain't coming on and talking <laughs> about that crap. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like, there's just, I'm like, I don't even mention them on my own show. And I'm here 150 miles down the road. I'm like, that product is so bad. It is so awful. I, I I don't feel like going on Syracuse radio or Buffalo, whatever the hell they were in that part of the, uh, you know, that part of they New York. They are winning against the Orange right now. Yeah, well, whatever. 24 to uh, 19. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm going to sit this one out. I'll be happy to come on next time you want to talk Florida State football or you, or if the Bills are playing the Jags and you want to talk Jaguar football. But I, I just, I'm like, I, obviously I read about them. I that there have been times, man, where I have flipped off the TV. And, and it's like, it's so bad. Have you ever had a team that's been so bad that you don't even get aggravated? Oh, yeah. Hurricanes football has done that for me the last few years. I mean, when you're just losing to teams like Middle Tennessee State, you honestly just have to laugh. Yeah. I think I'm going to take that same approach this year with the Red Sox. You know? Hey, but last time I thought the Red Sox were going to be really horrible, they won the East. That was two years ago. Yeah. Look what they did last year. I know. Yeah. I'm just saying, I, I baseball is crazy like that. All right, so we need to take one more. Yes. All right, final break of the night. Hacker Nation will join you at 8 o'clock. We are with you tomorrow, not at Mr. Chubby's. We're here in the studio and Friday as well, 6 to 8. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Florida State 29, Syracuse 25, 216 to play. Matthew Cleveland with a turnover. It's the first time I've mentioned him this year. Uh, let's see, seven turnovers so far uh, for the Knowles. My goodness. Eight and sixteen, six and seven in conference. Yeah, their non-conference schedule. I mean, they lost like what nine of their first ten, or something crazy like that. Florida's got a big game that's coming on in the AM at eight thirty, pregame tip at nine. Gators at Bama. Florida got a huge win a week ago, and they let one get away over the weekend uh, at Kentucky. Uh, they lost 72-67 after knocking off number two, Tennessee, 67-54. Gators are a bubble team at 13-10, and 6-4 and four in conference. I was actually going over this the other day, believe it or not. I, I was, and the Gators have eight games left. I, I, I think without blinking, they win at least four of them, okay? They should knock off Vanderbilt, Mississippi, Vanderbilt, and LSU, just showing up, they should win those. Now, tonight, number three, Bama, tough putt. I think they're a nine-and-a-half-point dog. Uh, going to Arkansas, it's a roadie 
I still think going to Vanderbilt is not going to be difficult for them. Going to Georgia, okay, it's a rivalry. So, you know, four and four, but if they can go like a five and three, you know, that, that puts them at 18 and 13. That may be enough. You may have to win a conference tournament game. You may have to win a second. And, you know, I, I read Bracketology today. You're talking about 42 teams basically fighting for 30 spots. And and you know the way things work. If you're a non-Power 5 conference team and you're nowhere near the rankings, but another team in your conference is – and all of a sudden you win the conference tournament, then all of a sudden, you know, that takes away uh, one of those other at-large teams because that other small conference team, if they're that good, or mid-major, uh, finds themselves in as an at-large. They, they have a better resume. But it's going to be a lot of fun, you know, once we get there. I'm not ready yet. Not on the 8th of, uh, of February. But, you know, I will be uh, sooner or later. Uh, 9225 says, uh, Baloo, I understand. Well, he goes on to say, hell no. Uh, Trevor ain't winning. Um, when we were talking about the AFC quarterbacks here that he's going to have to face, he also goes on to say, how did Breeze and Rodgers only go to one Super Bowl in the NFC? It's mind-boggling. I understand Philip Ro- uh, Philip Rivers not making it in the AFC with Brady and Manning. Um, and he mentions Big Ben Flacco. How about Stafford never even yeah. like made it to the playoffs except once until he moved? Like, how the hell did Breeze and Rodgers? It's who do they to have to go through? Bowl. Well, Nick Foles made it. Yeah, Garoppolo made it. Flacco, Flacco won. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It, Stafford made it. That's why beating the Chiefs with Mahomes on one leg. We talked about this was. The opportunity was there. Like, oh, yeah. You, you just can't act like you're going to get back to this point every year. It's easy to feel like that, but it's hard to do it. Yeah, I made the comment last year that I thought Burrow would be a one-year, one-hit wonder, kind of like um, Marino. Dan Marino, but I, I would like to take those comments back uh, if allowed. We'll see. Uh, I'm just, you know, last year, Stafford against Stafford beat Burrow. The year before that. It was um, Brady, right, beating Mahomes. The year before that, it was Mahomes beating Garoppolo. The year before that, it was Brady beating Jerry Goff. And, and Goff had a real good year what in a Detroit. What a terrible Super Bowl that was. It was. It was 13-3 Super Bowl. But it, Goff kind of put up the same numbers that Stafford always did in Detroit. Then it was Falls over Brady. Brady over Matt Ryan. Peyton Manning over Cam Newton. Tom Brady over Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson over Peyton Manning. Joe Flacco over Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> wow, that seems like 25 years ago. Russell Wilson. Wasn't that the game with the uh, blackout? Uh, maybe. Joe Flacco beat Colin Kaepernick <laughs> in the 2012 nice. Super Bowl. Eli Manning over Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers over Ben Roethlisberger. Drew Brees over Peyton Manning. Ben Roethlisberger over Kurt Warner. Eli Manning over Tom Brady. All right, I'm mentioning nothing but Hall of Famers here. Peyton Manning beat Rex Grossman. That was my the year that, it, that I was getting ready to leave Chicago uh, the following season. Devin Hester opened the game with the yeah. But these NFC quarterbacks, it, it's an interesting point. If you go to when Donovan McNabb 
played here, right? Donovan McNabb, Tom Brady here in the Super Bowl in Jacksonville. You look at the AFC quarterbacks. It's Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger for the most part, okay? You get to the NFC, you go from Donovan McNabb to Matt Hasselback to Rex Grossman, Eli Manning, Kurt Warner, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning, Colin Kaepernick, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson again, uh, Cam Newton, uh, Matt Ryan, Jerry Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady, and Matthew Stafford. A lot of those guys aren't even in the league anymore, are not in the NFC anymore. Like, it's unfair that the Jags have to be in the AFC right now. Because there's some hard hitters, man. The NFC is just like, hey, it could be a new team every year. There's only and, – And I don't think the Eagles are going to be some, like, power that we see in NFC title games every year. I, I'm, eliminating, I'm eliminating Nick Foles and I'm eliminating Joe Flacco because they're backup quarterbacks. Okay, there's only four starting quarterbacks right now in the league that have won a Super Bowl. Mahomes can win his second. You've got Rodgers, Stafford, and Russell Wilson. And Stafford's barely in the league. Well, yeah, he's got issues. I don't know how issues. much longer he's got. Yeah, but, you know, and if Jalen Hurts wins, then he becomes quarterback number five. Um, what an odd statistic. Ru- you know, Rodgers is 39. I, I, I think after his four days in his, uh, in his hut, I Who absolutely knows? expect him to play at least one more season. Yeah, he could play two or three, but he's certainly staring uh, at the the end of the road. Stafford, you know, you, Stafford's the one guy in the league. Every time you see him, it's his wife and his kids. You really get the fan, the feeling that he's a huge family man. Uh, he's made a lot of money. He's he was got a former top pick. He's got. A, I, I just don't know how much more the desire is there to play. My my guess is, my guess would be that with Matt Stafford, you're probably looking at you know maybe two or three. More years. Let me, let me look up his age. He's 35. He just turned 35. In fe- Actually, what's the day today? He turned 35 yesterday. February 7th. What day is it? Is today the 8th? Mm-hmm. So he's a, uh, he just turned 35. I, I'm guessing a few more years. I could be dead wrong. Russell Wilson, well, you already saw what happened now with um, Sean Payton. Uh, Russell Wilson, I guess, had his own quarterback coach and some of his own people in the building. No, no wonder so many people are. Now, not fans of him. Brady did yeah. that with his nutritionalist, and that caused TB12 guy. That caused some uh, commotion, and he was eventually not let at the facility, right? And people think that's part of the reason why he had beef with Belichick no at doubt. the end. And no Alex, doubt, Alex, was it Gonzalez? Something or? Spanish. Um, I, I forget. I forget the gentleman's name. But with Russell Wilson here, it just makes you kind of you know makes you wonder. In, in, Contractually speaking, man, he signed up for like what five more years, but and then you got Mahomes, who you know obviously could do this for ten plus years. Patrick Mahomes is twenty seven; he will not be twenty eight until September seventeenth. Trevor Lawrence turns twenty four in October. So Alex Guerrero, by the way, Alex Guerrero. There you go. That's going to do it for us. I don't check the text line, so if you want to comment on anything you heard, uh, please get me on Twitter. That is Blue1010XL. As I uh, do say, 
I got so many responses tonight on on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Coaches. I didn't get an opportunity to respond to many of you, but I always thank you for contributing. For JJ, Hacker Nation's up next. I'm Rick Ballou. We'll talk tomorrow at 6.